0: We're back for season three, and we're starting off with the topic everyone is talking about.
1: That's right. Today's episode is about housing. Today, we're hearing from you in the trenches of Canada's hot real estate market. What is really going on out there? Why are Canadians so riled up about housing?
0: I'm Roma Luzio, personal finance editor at The Globe and Mail.
1: And I'm Rob Carrick, personal finance columnist at The Globe.
0: Rob, here we are again.
1: Yes, 12 months into the pandemic, we have come full circle back to recording in lockdown. Uh, In fact, we've never recorded any other way, have we?
0: We haven't. Now, doesn't the bread baking feel like a distant memory?
1: Yeah, I never baked any bread myself. I've eaten a lot of bread over the pandemic, but I haven't baked any.
0: (laughs) The big change in our house is that I am now completely converted to online grocery shopping. I have no idea why I didn't do it earlier. It's a complete time saver. I do one order, I get it still for my parents, I pick it up for ourselves, and then I just pick up everything I need. Are you still completely opposed?
1: Uh, You know what? My wife did an online curbside uh, grocery pickup and the grocery chain gave us a nice loaf of sourdough bread as a free bonus. So I am completely turned around and now (laughs) big thumbs up to curbside ordering.
0: Okay, I guess the other news is that Stress Test is up for a Webby.
1: Yes, we've been nominated in the category of Best Business Podcast. And wish us luck on that one.
0: Yeah, I'm super proud of our podcast, despite the fact that we're recording from home and we've had all kinds of obstacles. Uh, you know, we have fans, and we love hearing from them. And uh, I'm pretty excited about season three.
1: Yeah, I am too. You know what? We're we're working double time to talk about things that we know our listeners are interested in and worried about, especially in the pandemic. To say this pandemic is a unique time is an understatement, but the principles of personal finance remain the same. Stress Test is all about helping you get through this pandemic financially intact.
0: For example, weddings. So many people have had their wedding plans disrupted. That's one topic we'll be exploring this season.
1: We're also looking at leaving the big city for cheaper real estate, negotiating a higher salary, and I bet dating in the pandemic is just terrible. So how do you set up your finances if you're single, maybe for the long term?
0: But let's get to today's topic, Canada's red-hot housing market and how hard it is to buy a place of your own. That's up next.
2: Stress Test is brought to you by CPP Investments, manager of the Canada Pension Plan Fund. The fund is sustainable with over $500 billion in assets, thanks to CPP Investments. Learn more at cppinvestments.com.
3: One year ago, in season
0: one, we spoke with a woman named Jackie. She's in her 20s and had just closed on a condo in February. Yep, right before the pandemic hit. She was watching the market and was worried that her new home was going to lose value.
1: That didn't happen. The biggest financial surprise of the pandemic by far has to be the incredible rise of the housing market. Real estate prices have picked up momentum, and in spring 2021, we're looking at Monthly price increases of 20 to 30% on a year over year basis. It is flat out unbelievable what is happening to housing.
0: So, Rob, remember a year ago when we first locked down, there was a period when the housing market stalled. And we had a sense of everything is on hold and nobody wanted to make any moves. New homes and sales fell. There was, you're right, this idea that there was uncertainty and anxiety about what the pandemic would bring, and everybody was on the sidelines. And the condo market stalled, right?
1: Yeah, you know, I, when I look back at what happened to housing in March 2020, I think the market stalled for, I think it was about 10 to 15 minutes, <laughs> and then it picked up again. There was just, it, the, it just never happened. People never stopped selling and never stopped looking for houses. Uh, I wrote a column, I think in late February 2020, and, I, and already the pandemic was out there and people knew and we were already seeing the stock market go down. And I was talking to a real estate guy and we were, we were saying, is real estate the new gold? And one year later, I almost think it is. People have treated it like this storehouse of value that is impregnable, and you cannot go wrong buying housing. But of course, in the pandemic, there were other factors at work in housing. Why don't you uh, describe some of them?
0: Well, we had a, a perfect cocktail of record low interest rates, sky-high demand for detached houses. We had people locked in their homes for you know unforeseen periods of time. And people were going a bit stir-crazy, and so they really wanted the extra space. They wanted the yard. And what happened in the beginning was we saw this outflow of demand for houses in suburban areas, and it took off from there.
1: So with this on everyone's minds, we wanted to give you an opportunity to tell your stories. What has your experience been like? What has it been like trying to buy a home where you live?
0: We did a call-out on Rob's newsletter, Carrick on Money, and on social media, and we got so many responses. So we've devoted this episode to you. You can sound off and tell us what the home buying journey has been like. Today, we're hearing from three people all in their 20s. We're starting our episode in beautiful British Columbia.
4: So my name is Jessica. I'm 20, almost 28 years old. Um, I live in Abbotsford, BC. So that's uh, about an hour outside of Vancouver, Uh an hour and a half if you're fighting traffic. Um, and I work in admissions in a post-secondary institution. Um, I'm married, my husband is the same age as, as I am, and he's a teacher.
0: When it comes to real estate, there's the money aspect, you know, learning the ins and outs of what it takes to purchase a property, and then there are the feelings.
4: I can't overstate how, how powerless you feel sitting back And watching these prices just skyrocket in front of you, knowing that there is absolutely
0: nothing that you can do. They were living in Vancouver, but they moved back to Jessica's hometown of Abbotsford for family reasons and with the goal of buying a home. Now, we've heard all the stories about Vancouver's housing market, but things in Abbotsford are looking just as bleak for buyers. Jessica and her husband make around $115,000 a year combined. Jessica came out of university with no debt And her husband has only a few thousand dollars left to pay off. They also have car debt, which they should be finished paying off next year. It's safe to say they're not big spenders.
4: The only other major expenditure that we've had recently was for our wedding. And we tried to be really, really careful to limit our spending there because we knew that we were having to get into a competitive housing market. uh, And that's the understatement of the century now, (laughs) given where we are versus where we were a few years ago. Jessica is meticulous about
0: tracking expenses in spreadsheets.
4: Uh, we, As soon as we paid for our wedding, any spare money that came in, it's been, been earmarked
0: for that. Earmarked for a down payment. And they've got savings down to a science.
4: You know, I'm sitting here with my spreadsheets doing my calculations and... Even if I canceled my Netflix subscription, even if I never ordered a pizza, you know, even if I bargain shopped as much as humanly possible for everything and I wore all my clothes until they had holes in them, the difference would only be a couple hundred dollars a month.
0: They've managed to save about $70,000 for a down payment. But with each passing month, even buying in Abbotsford gets less attainable. The vast majority of
4: the places that I would have been looking at last year have increased in sale price
0: by $100,000 or more from last year. When news stories say prices are skyrocketing, this is the reality on the ground. We've been so
4: careful. We've been so diligent. We've saved. um, We were prepared. We knew what we were getting into. And then all of a sudden you kind of feel like the rug's been yanked out from under you because you're looking at paying possibly like $130,000 more than
0: you were expecting for the same thing. <laughs> and what about getting some help from mom and dad to try to get your foot in the door?
4: Um, my dad actually approached me. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that he is uh, necessarily wealthy. Um, we're not a family with generational wealth.
0: But still, Jessica told her dad how tough it's been trying to buy a home. They had a frank conversation. He went away from that conversation and then
4: he called me back um, a week and a half later and said, I've thought about it and I have this money. Um, it's invested right now, but I'd be happy to give it to you as an advance kind of on your uh, inheritance, so to speak, um, to, to help you. He had $25,000 to give. The sad reality is $25,000 is a lot of money in any other context. But in this one, it doesn't even really make that much of a dent.
0: For this generation, so much has come down to timing and life goals. Remember when we said that Jessica and her partner moved back to Abbotsford for family? Jessica's been thinking a lot about where they're going to start their own family. In the last year or so, I've kind
4: of really realized that I do want to be a
0: mom. That's where a lot of pressure comes from when it comes to buying a house. Jessica had the big realization that, yes, she really wants to have kids. So
4: having that happen at the same time as I'm watching housing stability slip out of reach is really, really difficult because in my mind, that then delays parenthood for for myself and my husband. Um, And that's something that's really important to both of us. And I hear that from from my peers across the board, too. You know, we, we want children, but... We need that stability to be able to to have kids. People don't want to have a baby in a studio apartment.
2: (laughs) CPP Investments is proud to manage the assets of the Canada Pension Plan Fund. The Canada Pension Plan provides retirees a solid income foundation. In support of that important priority, We've built a well-balanced and globally diversified portfolio. It's designed to be resilient in the face of wide-ranging market and economic conditions. Through good times and bad, our professional investment teams have helped make CPP a plan that contributors and beneficiaries can count on for generations to come. Learn more at cppinvestments.com.
0: Jessica, thank you so much for sharing your story so openly with us. Now we're going to head to
3: another very
0: hot market, Toronto.
3: My name is Carmen. I'm 28 years old. I live in Toronto and I work in business consulting. Uh, we've been looking for a few months now and it's absolutely insane. It feels basically impossible for a first time home buyer in our position to even be able to get on the ladder. At
0: 28 years old, Carmen and her fiance make up to $300,000 combined. That puts them in almost the top 1% of household incomes in Canada. They've also saved eighty dollars to $90,000 for a down payment. So with all of that,
3: how's the house hunting going for them? I think people who aren't in the market right now don't realize how absolutely brutal it is. And that's been, you know, one of the things that's been hard to reconcile is, you know, we had an idea of what we wanted, but we've had to be like, okay, we got to adjust our expectations downward. And then we got to adjust them downward again and again and again. And at some point it's like, well, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel now.
0: I think when you hear this, you can't help but think, why is homeownership so important? Why keep pushing for it if it feels impossible?
3: I rent right now and I've rented for, you know, some years now. It has been really difficult for two people to work from home for a whole year in a 700 square foot condo. And that has created some urgency uh, of, you know, we we need to move out of this place for our own kind of sanity.
0: (laughs) When Carmen and her partner started looking for property, they thought about a semi-detached house, but they were constantly being outbid. So they began to look further out from the city, into the suburbs, and they started looking at condo townhouses. But they still kept getting outbid.
3: Our budget was around 800 to a million dollars. And everything that was actually listed in that price range was going over a million. Um, so we did have situations where we were bidding like a hundred thousand dollars over the asking price and still being outbid. And, and so we saw ourselves, you know, very quickly getting priced out of like neighborhood after neighborhood. And one of the strange things about kind of this pandemic housing boom is the old kind of advice of like drive till you qualify almost doesn't apply anymore because The suburban housing market, the outer suburbs, and even rural areas are booming so much. So we kind of felt squeezed from all angles, like we can't afford something in Toronto or near Toronto. But if we keep driving out, the markets outside the city are also incredibly hot. So we're kind of out of options.
0: It's a terrible feeling to be out of options, especially when you've been doing the right thing all
3: along. We've spent... Years kind of working up to um, being able to purchase our first house. Um, we've been saving. We've been working hard. We've been financially responsible. You know, we have great credit scores. We have high incomes. Um, and when I say we, I'm referring to me and my fiance. Um, and it, it seems like it doesn't actually matter because we are missing the one key ingredient that everyone we know who has bought recently or is in the market now has.
0: What Carmen's talking about is money from the bank of mom and dad, generational wealth. A significant number of homebuyers have that going for them.
3: But Carmen and her partner do not. I come from a low-income family, and so there was no money to give. And I have found that most of the people I know who are able to buy in this market are people who have help from family and it's not just money for a down payment right if you had years of your adult life living at home rent free where your parents paid your bills like that's financial help from parents if your parents paid for your education and you don't have student loans like your parents helped finance your adult life and we like i don't i don't have access to that but you know I shouldn't have to, right? Like a a working professional who's successful and financially responsible shouldn't have to go to the bank of mom and dad to be able to afford a house.
0: We talked about this in a previous season, parents helping their adult kids with their everyday finances, something the pandemic has made increasingly common. And when we did our own survey less than a year ago, Asking parents how much financial help they were giving their adult kids, over 2,000 parents responded, and 95% said they give their adult kids financial help. To Carmen's point, we found out that parents help in all kinds of ways. Tuition, rent, even groceries. But the big one that matters today is help buying a home.
1: Almost one-third of those who responded to our survey said they gave their kids a gift of cash for a home down payment. Now, parents helping kids buy houses not new, but the amount of help is absolutely growing.
5: It seems like unless your parents are going to give you, you know, one hundred thousand dollars to help on your down payment or two hundred thousand dollars, and it's really not going to uh, move the needle enough to do anything.
1: That's Walid. He's our next guest.
5: My name's Walid. I'm twenty five years old, and I live in Curtis, Ontario.
1: Curtis is an hour east of Toronto. Walid graduated recently, works in marketing, and makes around seventy thousand dollars a year. It's less than the sky high income Carmen and her partner make, but 70K for a 25 year old is a really great income. And he's worked hard for it, saving and staying focused on his goal, which is to buy a house.
5: Even from an earlier age, like I always knew I didn't want to be, you know, renting for a long time. I didn't want to be spending a lot of money on rent. And it goes back to kind of being mindful of my finances. So I knew that um, if I didn't want to rent, then I'd have to save up so I can buy a place. And I've always had the goal that um and you know in 2021 maybe by the summer i wanted to you know uh, put down a down payment on a house get a mortgage and just start with something and i don't you know it doesn't have to be a detached home or you know something with a big yard but i wanted to get my own property
1: well Leed works in toronto so that's where we started looking but he quickly realized that the toronto real estate market was way out of his budget
5: i mean when i started looking i was looking in toronto because uh you know i work out of toronto i don't want to have a too big of a commute but then um when the pandemic hit, everyone started to kind of move out of the city and kind of push further and further out. And prices in Toronto were already, they, they were very steep. And so I started to push, instead of Toronto, I started looking at maybe Scarborough, Pickering, Ajax, Whippy, and I kept pushing further and further out.
1: It's like he's reading a map. He's just naming all the suburbs moving out further and further east from the downtown core of Toronto. Walid had saved $60,000 for a down payment. He got to know exactly how much he would qualify for when it comes to a mortgage,
5: yeah, you know I was hoping originally to put down you know twenty percent down payment, but the the reality is just on a single income and with the stress tests that the banks have there I wasn't getting approved for anything like you know I was in in the three fifty range getting approved and I have good credit, I have a decent salary, but um it seems like three fifty was you know i I spoke with a few banks, I spoke with some brokers, and it seemed like that was the range that most were comfortable to provide.
1: The dream initially was to buy a townhouse. He was looking outside of Toronto in those eastern suburbs he mentioned.
5: But then I realized that, you know, these townhouses were starting to go for 700000 and 800000 And it was, you know, they're starting to get very unattainable.
1: Condos in the burbs were next on his list.
5: So then I started looking at these condo style townhouses or, or the row housing where, you know, you kind of just get one floor and one little section of it. And those were starting to fa- kind of fall in my range. Like, you know, they were 450 or the low 400s, but they were still getting bid up. And the problem with these is they start to, you know, you're starting to look at condo fees, you know, 300, 400, 500 a month. And once you start layering in those considerations, brokers told me, well, if there's going to be condo fees, you got to bring down what we're going to approve you for.
1: That's right. The higher the condo fees, the lower a mortgage you can get. So those fees really do matter. As we mentioned before, a lot of millennials get financial help from their parents. But just like Carmen, that wasn't an option for Walid.
5: My parents have always been very supportive, but it's just um, immigrating and, you know, kind of building from scratch. It's like they never had a lot of savings. They never, you know, were able to start, you know, fun for me when I was a kid and just save all, you know, all these years. So um, I have three other siblings. So there's four of us and then my two parents. And um just always going to school, I kind of knew that I'd have to fund it myself and kind of get through it myself. And so that's why I always worked part-time jobs and I worked on campus and I did the summer internships. When it comes to buying real estate, like I think I can, you know, they've, uh, we spoke about it and we can get a little bit of help, but it's not going to be enough to move the needle.
1: So house prices in the city are out of reach. House prices outside the city are out of reach. What options are left?
5: It's like, Okay well, if these are the prices in Toronto and it, these are the prices of one hour outside of Toronto. And these are the prices two hours outside of Toronto. Is there a point in even trying to stay? Like, is that really that convenient being two hours from where you want to be? So then it's like, okay, well, should I, you know, do I need to start expanding this search? Ottawa's looking the same as the GTA now. So you can't really go that way. Uh, Kingston starting to look the same and Belleville starting to kind of look the same. So it's like, do I need to go push myself to Calgary or do I need to look south of the border, you know, look somewhere else? Like looking in, Texas in El Paso or in Austin, Texas, where, you know, a three bedroom house with a pool is like $300,000. And it's like, how can I justify paying 600,000 for a condo here when you can get all that south of the border?
1: It's clear millennials think the only path to home ownership is to make these massive sacrifices to move out of the city away from friends and family. How
5: does this all feel? Um, It's been a little bit demoralizing.
1: Demoralizing is a word that I think describes a lot of the feedback we're getting from readers about their experience in the real estate market. They are depressed. They're giving up. They're losing hope.
0: I'm absolutely struck by the intensity of the drive that I'm feeling right now from young people to buy and own a home. It's something that I haven't seen in this kind of intensity, and I think it's all been amplified by the pandemic. Young people feel betrayed. They feel like they're being lied to. They did all of the right things. They went to school. They got their degree. They saved some money. And the next step, as prescribed to them, is going to be home ownership. And they're not able to do that, and so, of course, they feel upset. Rob, what do you think driving this intense need to get into the housing market right now?
1: You know, I think the pandemic just created this wave of desire to move into a home and it's feeding on itself and it's growing and it's snowballing. It's detached from reality. I think there's this drive to buy homes. People are looking at doing this, getting into the housing market. And is it the right thing for them at this moment in their lives? Do they really need to own a home or do they feel that if they don't get in, it's game over and they never will. I think there's a lot of FOMO, to be honest. I think a lot of fear of missing out on the experience of home ownership if you don't dive in now.
0: And let's not forget too, it's a really divisive issue, right? Because the people who own homes are sitting on this pile of wealth and the people that can't buy one, they want in. So I think the fear of missing out plays into that. And I think what's alarming is the fact that people are you know getting placed into these situations where they're getting forced to make offers for homes that are not reasonable and putting offers on places they can't afford.
1: I think it's worthwhile interjecting here that what is happening in housing is not a good thing. It is it is stressing people out. It's getting them into situations where they feel that home ownership is the is this goal that they really want and it would be for them but they can't get their hands on it. Um it's it's I don't think what's happening is healthy, but we have to live in the world in which we are, and we have to concede that people want this, they see it working for other people, and it's super important to them. Let's give our three guests the last word. Here's Carmen I,
3: I'm really disappointed and frustrated that the federal government is not even acknowledging that there's an issue, and you know there's been a lot of talk about what policies. Um, should be implemented to cool the market or possibly help first-time home buyers. But before we can even get to uh, policy solutions, we have to get agreements that this is not okay and we need to ask ourselves some important questions about how much inequality are we willing to accept in our society and how much do we want to tell young people that their ability to become homeowners and not be renters for life depends on uh, luck and um, the birth lottery.
5: What does
1: Waleed think needs to change?
5: I don't know if anyone really knows what you could do to kind of efficiently or effectively kind of fix the issues. But just for me, I think I would feel a lot more comfortable if there was um, just more transparency overall from realtors, from sellers, and even from builders.
4: What changes would Jessica like to see? If I could change something, I think, first of all, um, I would want to change the opinions and, and perceptions of people who already own property. Because I think that is a significant battle that anyone who is trying to address the affordability issue is coming up against. You're fighting against that instinct with a lot of these people who own homes um, because they feel like they deserve it. They have earned that equity in their home when they didn't. They just, the reality is they just had good timing.
1: You know, hearing these comments makes me a little bit sad because I know these young people have put so much faith in the housing market, and they've seen such success being had in the housing market. And I think some of them, some of today's young Canadians are going to have to face the fact that either they will never own a house, or it's going to take a fair bit longer than they expected, or they're going to have to live somewhere where they didn't expect. Because I don't know if we can turn things around and return to the affordability levels of yesteryear. What do you think, Roma?
0: Yeah, you know, I really do agree with you. I think they're up against this idea that widely accessible home ownership, at least in Canada's big cities, that might be behind us. And, you know, Toronto and Vancouver, they're joining these other international hyper expensive cities where most people never own. Uh, They remain renters. And what they don't realize is that this is when it's happening for them. So unfortunately, uh, they're living through that change.
1: We've covered a lot of territory in this episode. Roma, what are your takeaways?
0: Here they are. One, the housing market has never been more frustrating, but prices can't keep skyrocketing at this pace forever. No one can say for sure what will happen, but don't be pressured into buying something you can't afford. Two, in the meantime, keep saving. Build your down payment and be ready to make your move when the market finally cools down. Three, Take advantage of what the pandemic has made possible. Remote work. Buy something cheaper further away and build a life there. Thank you for listening to Stress Test. This show was produced by Hannah Sung and Latifa Abdin. Audio post-production by Kyle Fulton and Carly Reem-Neal. Our executive producer is Kieran Rana. Thank you to Carmen in Toronto, Walid in Cordes, Ontario, and Jessica in Abbotsford, British Columbia. If you like what you heard, let the world know. Leave us a rating and review at Apple Podcasts. And if you know someone who wants to figure out how to stay on top of their finances, send them this show. Our next episode is sticking with the theme of real estate, but we're going in a different direction, out to St. John, New Brunswick, to be specific. We're examining the trend of leaving the big city in order to afford buying a home. Make sure you listen for that.
1: You can find Stress Test at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app. And find us at theglobalmail.com where we cover all things financial. Thanks for listening.
2: Stress Test is brought to you by CPP Investments, manager of the Canada Pension Plan Fund. Canadians can be confident in the fund's sustainability. In the last 10 years, CPP Investments has earned more than $300 billion for the Canada Pension Plan. With over $500 billion invested around the world, CPP is set to provide a retirement income foundation for generations to come. Learn more at cppinvestments.com.